All right. You ready to get started today? Great. Let's get going. We've already read out of Matthew 28 and uh, how Jesus said, uh, all authority has been given to him. Therefore, we go and make disciples and we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today, we're talking about baptism. The Bible tells us that there are three distinct baptisms that God gives us. We're actually going to have water baptism next Sunday, so I hope uh, if you're in need of that, that you'll be water baptized. But there are three baptisms that the Bible talks about. Number one is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes in chapter 12, verse 13, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. And so the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. That would be the point when you're converted or born again or saved. We use those terminologies interchangeably. But it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the body of Christ, into Jesus. The second baptism is when a disciple baptizes us in water. What we just read, Jesus said, go and make disciples and baptize them. We see that experience throughout the book of Acts as people were born again. They accepted the word of the Lord and the message of Christ, and very quickly they were baptized in water. It was a public pronouncement that I am no longer going to live the life of myself or the life serving any other God, but now I'm a follower of Jesus. The third baptism the Bible talks about is when Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said in Mark 1, 8, says, I indeed baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so we see those three distinct baptisms. I would say any time that we are immersing ourselves in the direction of God with whatever we're doing, we could call that a baptism. It is a full immersion of our lives into a certain direction toward Christ, whether we, we suddenly surrender our talents to Christ or our money to Christ or our relationships to Christ. We, you can call that a baptism, but the Bible talks about these three specific baptisms. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives us that specific instruction. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. We do not go to make disciples on our own, but we go in the authority of Christ, in the authority of the Scriptures, in the authority of God Himself. Water baptism, we're going to experience next week, symbolizes four things. Death, burial, resurrection, and abundance. It is God's will and God's call and God's command that anyone who is a born-again Christian be water baptized. And so this is obviously why we do that. It is important because it is a means of us making a public announcement. It is a means of us going public, if you will, that we are a follower of Christ. Now, if we put that in the context of America, which is very easy for us to do, uh, there's a lot of churches, especially in this area, and just about all of them do water baptism. But in other countries, it's quite different and so it is a, generally a real pronouncement to a of a person, to a community, and to a family, I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ. I have died to my old way of living, and I have been planted, if you will, in the body of Christ, 
I am in Christ and he is in me, and therefore I live a resurrected life. I live now resurrected from the dead, and I know that there will be a day when this body will wear out and it will stop and they will bury this body, but there will be a day when I will be resurrected into a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, Revelation 22 says. And so water baptism is that symbol of what has happened in our lives. We have gone from living our own life to dying to that life. And now we've been raised to walk with Christ, in Christ, and Christ in us. Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 to 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, if we listen to the, the genre, the popular teaching of our day, we would see that the gospel of this world that is preached is if you want to live the best life, if you want to live your greatest life, if you want to be really something, if you really want to have a lot of happiness and a lot of, it's all about you, man. You got to do it. You got to get it. You got to go for it. It's all about you. Feed yourself. Doesn't matter about anyone else. It's all about you. And it's all about an income into your life. Got to pull this in and got to pull that in and pull this in. And they're saying that's how you have an abundant life. And yet Jesus says the way to an abundant life is not through acquiring, but it is through dying. It is when we give up that we begin to really live. It is when we die that then we have life. We don't live the life that we had planned. We live the life that Christ had planned. I would dare say that all of us have had a plan for abundance in life. You know, if you go to a kindergarten class and you say, hey man, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it's like president, engineer, astronaut. Nobody ever says, like, homeless. You know, I want to be, I want to be a dropout and I just want to have a job and I don't want to do it. You know, nobody, nobody, you know. We all want abundance. The process of getting to abundance, if we do it on our own, we find that all of that becomes empty because there's no satisfaction, there's no fulfillment, there's no significance. And yet when we find in Christ that we die, in Christ we, we lay aside our plans of how to get abundance, our plan of saying it's all about me. Jesus says it's not about you, it's about Christ. And when we die to our way and we accept Christ, then we have abundance of life and we learn how to walk in that abundance. I want to read to you something that uh, David Foster Wallace wrote. David Wallace is not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, so keep that in mind when we read this. He's not a Christian, but you might be amazed at what he has written. Everybody worships. 
The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It is true. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before your loved ones finally plant you. Worship power, and you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will never, and you will need even more power over others to numb you of your fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart. You will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. The insidious thing about these forms of worship is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. Wow. That's coming from a guy that's not even a Christian. And he sees this and he's saying, everything we choose to worship and idolize, it leaves us empty. Because it's not what we were created for. We were created to have fellowship with God and communion with God. We were were created for that type of relationship, but sin came in and ruined that. God said to Adam and Eve, if you do what is wrong, you're going to die. This this separation in relationship, and then this body will eventually die. But Christ came on the cross to restore that relationship that man had with God. To restore the relationship so that we have the abundance of life that Adam and Eve had before they sinned. The abundance of fellowship with God, the abundance of relationship, the abundance of relationship with one another, the abundance of everything that they could see. God said, take dominion over it. Lead. Charge forward. You're in charge of this place. But sin came and ruined that. And somehow we as people are deceived into thinking Well, if we just keep on sinning, we'll finally have the abundant life. (laughs) And it's like, no, that's not the way it happens. God said, you've got to die. If you want abundance, there's the death, burial, resurrection, and abundant life. And so if we desire the abundant life, which is a great desire, and every one of us do, We can choose to either find that or try to find that abundant life the world's way, the way of the flesh, or the way of God. And God is saying, I've got a path for you, and I'm going to blow your mind with all that I have for you, but you got to do it my way. You remember that guy Moses? It wasn't a trick question. I was just trying to, you know. (laughs) Remember Moses? Okay, so he's a Hebrew, but raised with Pharaoh, and, and then he finds, okay, wait a minute, I'm one of them, but okay, so he decides to forego all of that luxury and suffer with his people, the Israelites, and as he makes this transition, if you will, to this new life, he sees that there's an Egyptian really just big, beaten up on this Hebrew guy. And what does he do? He kills the Egyptian. He's like, man, 
We're not supposed to be slaves. God's created us for greatness and to be conquerors and to take dominion. And we're slaves. We're not supposed to be slaves. Moses evidently thought we can whip them one at a time. And he killed one Egyptian. And God is saying, that's, that's not my plan. That's not the way this is going to happen. you got to do it my way. And so what happens to Moses he has to flee and hide so he's not killed. And he spends 40 years in the backside of a desert learning God's ways are not man's ways. The Bible tells us God's ways are not man's ways. Just like the heavens are high above the earth, so are man's ways above God's ways. And then Moses comes back to Pharaoh. He comes back and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, um, let me think about that. No. That's not going to happen. And Moses says, okay, fine. Do you like frogs? Because they're coming. Do you like flies? They're coming. Do you like blood? I mean, he had all the ten plagues. Moses didn't have to fight anybody. He didn't have to hit anybody with his staff. He just said, God, go for it. And God took care of it. And the Israelites were released God's way and not Moses' You remember Saul who became Paul? Here's Saul. He was serving God in his mind by persecuting Christians because he thought Christians were not following God. And so he's persecuting them. He's doing life his way. And God comes along and knocks on his door and says, hey, buddy, wrong. Let me show you my way. And it was Paul who said, I crucify my flesh daily. I crucify my flesh daily because every one of us, even though we're born again and the old man has died and God has given us a new spirit, we still have this thing called the flesh. We still have this earthly part of us that's still desiring our own way. Put two three-year-olds together and you'll see flesh. You know, that was mine. No, it's not. Bam. You know, it's like that's just life. Or 13-year-olds, or 33-year-olds, or 63-year-olds. We're all just like, I want it. And so we have to do something to say, I, I need to live in a way which I'm saying no to my way and yes to God's way. Sin is the default setting of our heart. And every one of us have sinned, the Bible says. I have, you have, everyone on the planet. Christ was the only one who did not sin. And sin is that default. And that's why if we just kind of think we can just kind of serve God lackadaisically, we're kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, yeah. You ever read your Bible? Nah, I depend on the pastor for that. You pray? Yeah, I, I let him do that. We think we can kind of serve God lackadaisically. I'm sorry, crucifixions are not lackadaisical. We've got to crucify our flesh daily. So that we're reminding ourselves, it's not my way, it's God's way. I don't understand on this subject why you aren't just standing up cheering right now. Yes, bring on a crucifixion, Lord. <laughs> See, that's not, that's, that's not what we like to hear, right? It's not it's like, oh man, didn't you, you just tell us that we're all going to be rich today and we'll, we'll all cheer. But Jesus said there's a process. It's death, burial, resurrection, and then abundance. And to keep our eyes on Christ, the one who gives us abundance, but we must understand the process.
In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus said, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. He's saying, if you're going out there, it's like, I've got to find myself. I've got to find myself. I, you don't need to find yourself. You need to lose yourself. Yourself, myself, was born in sin. All the way from Adam, straight down through. We were born in sin. The Bible tells us that a heart without Christ is wicked, is deceitful, will lead you in the wrong path 100% of the time. And that's why we need a new heart. We must be born again. And when we're born again, then suddenly we find, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. I can't do it my way. I need to do it God's way. And that's what leads to abundance. That's what leads to abundance of relationship and abundance of provision, abundance of everything God has for us. This is what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, I'm urging you. Therefore, I'm encouraging you. Therefore, we're talking about this. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. He didn't say sinners. Brothers and sisters, Christians, I urge you in view of God's mercy, the mercy we have received that has given us forgiveness, that has given us what we didn't deserve because Christ took what he did not deserve on the cross. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a what? An oxymoron, a living sacrifice. Wait a minute. A living sacrifice? Yeah, that's how we're to live as Christians, as a living sacrifice. He says, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He didn't say holy and pleasing to the world. He didn't say holy and pleasing to your neighbor. He said holy and pleasing to God, a living sacrifice. And so we find ourselves living a life of death so that we can live a life of abundance. We live a life of death so we can live a life full of life. John 10.10, the thief, the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So we live death so we can live life. We live without so we can have. It is the great paradox of Christianity. If you want, you give. If you want to live, you die. If you want to have, you give. That's what he tells us to do. Abundance is not found in being the CEO of your life. It is found in Christ. It is found in losing your life in Christ. And that takes intentionality. One illustration or way of uh, uh, showing this, and it's probably not a, a perfect illustration, so just go with me on this, but it would be the U United States military. Now, I didn't serve in the military. I came that close, um, but I didn't. Uh, there are many, many in our church that have, and thank you for your service. Thank you very much. But in the military, when you have a young man who says, you know, I'm going to go into the military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, whichever one, and he shows up for that first day. What is the first thing they do? they do? They do two things. First day, number one, they say, okay, give us all your clothes. We're going to put that away. You don't need those for three months. And you're going to wear what we tell you to wear. And you're, you're going to wear it the way we tell you to wear it. If we tell you you're going to iron it, you're going to iron it. 
If you tell you to wear today the blue stuff, you won't wear the blue stuff. We tell you to wear the khaki stuff, you're going to wear the khaki stuff. In other words, you are not going to find your identity in your clothing anymore because you look just like everybody else. Then they go and just said, that hairdo, it looks good. Let's take that off of there. And they just get out the buzzers, and it's gone. You'll not find your identity in your haircut anymore. And those meals that you love to eat, yeah, you're going to eat what we give you to eat as much as we give you to eat when we tell you to eat, and you'll stop when we tell you to stop. Because you're not going to find your identity in that. You are not going to be an individualistic person in a unit. You're an individual in a unit, but not individualistic in a unit. The same in the body of Christ. We don't live and we go, hey, we're going to do this my way. We're going, we're going to do this my way. I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm in a part of the body of Christ, but I'm going to do it my way. And God says, we're going to work on that. He says, we don't find our identity in the things of this world. We find our identity in Christ. That's where our identity is. Yes, we're each individuals. We all have gifts and talents that maybe you're, you're specific in the body of Christ with that gift and that talent. So we're individuals, and yet we find our identity not in our individualism, but in Christ. We die to our way of doing things, and we say, God, you've given me this talent. I don't understand why you gave me this gift. Well, Lord, I'm going to use it in the body of Christ. And I'm going to use it in such a way that I don't even care if anybody notices what I do. You should have seen Connie's face when I asked her to stand up. She was like, oh, no. No, please don't do that. That's beautiful. Because we use our gifts and we go, I don't, I don't care if anybody notices. You know, the, be- the beautiful part about being a pastor is you get to see that happening over and over again. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen money go from one to another. And this person doesn't even know who gave it to them. But I got the beauty of seeing it. It's just awesome. And it could be food. It, it could be, there's so many, just not just money, but there's a lot of things where I see it happening and the person receiving it goes, like, who did that? Well, yeah, it's the Lord did it. Just take it. Just go. And that's how we do. We're individual, but we find our identity in Christ. We die to self to accomplish so much more as a unit. Those who just surrender their life to Christ and die to their own way of doing it so that they can live to Christ. Those are the people who are world shakers. Those are the people who will turn this world upside down for the glory of God. Those are the ones who say, you know what, I'm going to pray when I don't feel like praying. I'm going to give when I don't feel like giving. I'm going to show up at church when I don't feel like showing up at church. When I lose an hour of sleep and it's raining, I'm still going to church. Those are the people who say, I I don't care about my way. I've died to my way. I'm doing this God's way. And God says, come together. God says, study the word. God says, pray. That is the way I'm constantly yielding my life over to Christ. It is a 100% constant reminder. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I don't live by my feelings. I live in the presence of God. God is in me and I am in Christ. Those are kingdom builders. That will say, no, I'm going to do this. Even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to do this. 
It's those who would step out and say, God's put this thing in my heart and he's called me to, to do this ministry and I don't, I don't see anybody with me. I don't see anybody doing it. I don't see anybody, any support, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's not my desire, it's God's desire. Those are the ones who find their way and work their way through all the difficulties of starting a ministry and then God says, ah, see, I see you, I see you, I see you. You're doing ministry. You're pressing through. You're pressing in. I'm going to bless you. You died to self. Now you're going to see a resurrection and you're going to see an abundance. How many of you want to see an abundance in your life? We all do. We all do. Death, burial, resurrection, and abundance. Let me give you some biblical examples here. First is the wheat. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse number 24, he said, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What do you have that you can just say, God, I, I'm, I, just, I give this to you. I'm, I'm dying to it. I'm, I'm putting it into the soil of the kingdom. And then I'm going to watch what God wants to do with it. I'm going to watch it grow into abundance. What about our relationships and things? Jesus said in Matthew 19, 29, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, fathers, mothers, wife and children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. In every Christian there are those times, those, those moments when there's, a, there's maybe a fork in the road or some, some decision to be made. And we say, I know God's calling me to go in this direction. We all feel the pull to our family. We all feel the pull to those that we love and we want to be near them and close to them. And maybe even the, the fields, the land, the possessions that we have, and, and we feel drawn, and we, we're trying to figure out how, how can I go do that and have this. And there are times when we can, we can have both, and God's called us to do ministry near and with our family, and that's awesome. There are times when he says, no, this is the path I want you to go, and, and it's a reminder to us, I'm going to die to the comfort of being near people that I love and that love me but I'm going to go do the work that God's called me to do. Jesus said, Jesus said, those who've experienced that are going to receive a hundred times and eternal life. See, that's the abundance that we have. But if we hold on to these things, there's nothing wrong with mom and dad and children and wives. It's great. But when God calls us, he calls us. When he says, step out, step out. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's a process of dying. So somehow we, 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 many people have been deceived into thinking that it's just when you're born again, that's, yeah, that's, that's when you die and then it's just on good from there. We go through a thousand deaths in our life because we have to die to self so that we can live in abundance. I know this isn't the popular gospel. The popular gospel says, say this prayer and you, you'll have a Cadillac tomorrow or whatever. You know, give $50 in the offering and you'll, all your stocks will go up. Whatever. You know we don't do that. 
This is what Jesus said. And I just soon do it Jesus' way. How about you? And he talks about money and stuff like that in Malachi 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not open for you the floodgates of heaven or the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, there won't even be room enough to receive it. What are we doing? Every time we get that paycheck and we say, the top 10%, that belongs to God. What are we doing? We are dying to saying, I, I've, I've, got to, I've got to have that money so I can provide for my family or I can provide for my future. God gives you money to provide for your family and to provide for your future. But when we give that tithe, every time we do, it's a matter of saying, I'm dying to my financial plan, and I'm going to do this God's way. I'm dying to my financial plan so that I can live in the abundance that God has for me. And that's the way we live our life. That's why we, we pray together as families, because we're saying, yeah, we could, we could watch TV, we could go outside, we could do a bunch of stuff, but we're going to pray together. We're going to study the word together. We're going to go to church together. We're always doing those things that say, you know what? I'm doing this even though I may not today feel like it, but I'm doing this because I'm dying to self so I can live for God. If you're living in default mode, God wants you to get baptized. If you're living in default mode, it's, it's your way. You're still, do, you're still the CEO of your life. God wants you to experience a baptism where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus Christ. And you are converted, you, you are born again. All those terminologies to where you go from saying, yeah, I'm the CEO, to saying, no, Jesus, you're the CEO of my life. I'm not even sure what that means, but I know it's the way I'm supposed to live. So, Lord, now you're the CEO of my life. That's called being born again or converted. There could be another baptism, a baptism of water, which we're going to do next week, where you just say, you know what? I want everybody to know this is, this is the direction I'm going in. This is what's important to me. I am following Jesus Christ. It is a public announcement. Now, you say, well, why is that important? Why is it important to go public? Because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. Jesus said, the ones who believe and then proceed on to baptism, those are the ones that really show, yeah, you're serving me. You're following me. It's not just getting water baptized. It's a lifestyle. I get that. But that water baptism is an announcement. And then there's a third baptism where Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Every one of us um, need power and need strength to do what God's called us to do. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us power. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we say, God, I need you today. I've been saved 10 days or 10 years or 100 years, but Lord, I need your power today. I need you today so that I can overcome this desire to, to live my own way. Lord, today I'm living your way. Tomorrow I make that decision. I'm living your way, God. But Lord, I need your power. What baptism do you need? And whatever that is, God will give it to you. If we pray and come before him and say, God, please, I need to be baptized either into Christ next week into water or today to say, Lord, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a, people up here ready to pray with you, anyone who needs prayer. Whether you say, you know what, I need Christ. I need Christ in my life. 
I've been the CEO. That's not working out so well. I, I've been trying to acquire this stuff, and I know it's just not the right way, and I need Christ in my life. Somebody up here will pray with you to receive Christ, and your life will forever be changed. If you're ready to be water baptized, sign up. We're going to do that next week. You say, man, I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need that power. God, would you please fill me with the Holy Spirit? Fill me with that power. Somebody up here will pray for you to receive that. Do you know Christ? Find him today. Introduce, just come to him and say, God, I need you. And he's right here. Do you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Say, God, I need you, please. I've been saved 20 years, but Lord, I need the power in my life. I got stuff I'm trying to overcome and I don't know how. God's going to fill you today. Let's pray together, okay?